for millions of years, human beings have been part of a tribe. It is our human nature to desire being surrounded with like-minded people. It is through our exposure to soul-deep conversations that our personal expansion is born. Tribe Quest isn't a place, it's a feeling inside every one of us. And as Rumi said, seek those who light your flames. My name is Berenice, I'm your host of the Tribe Quest podcast, and I'm so excited you're tuned in. Are you ready to be lit? So my next guest for the show is Craig Insana, and he has such an amazing energy. I think his life story was or is really inspiring. Um, I decided to do a different uh, thing this time, not just having a conversation, but asking 27 questions. And it was really amazing, the answers he had, and they're so inspiring. Um, also talking about law of attraction and manifestation, but also him overcoming his addiction and his happiest moments, which I think are so beautiful to share. So without further ado, welcome to this next episode. So Craig, 27 questions for you. First question, what sets your heart on fire? Ah, so many things set my heart on fire, but really it's it's connections to people and figuring out how I can be of service, not on just like a, you know, business level, but on a personal level, like, you know, being able to help somebody just, you know, that is the thing is to be able to, you know, recognize the oneness that we all are and then have those moments of like where that, that, that those separate individuals cross uh, into, into the connecting spheres. Beautiful answer. Next question. Um, when was the last time you laughed uncontrollably? <laughs> I laugh all the time. So it's like, <laughs> this is like an involuntary thing. Actually, people identify me by my laugh. It's like a, a thing that uh, I used to work at a radio station and uh, the, the, the sales manager and me both have extremely loud laughs. And everybody, it was just like this ongoing joke of like, oh, we can tell if Craig or Lori are in the building because they'll just be laughing from the other side of the, the room, which is, you know, I love being able to spread that kind of joy to people through a genuine expression of laughter. Yeah, I feel the same when, when a day is not like when you don't laugh in a day, like what kind of day is that? Because yeah, positive. Yeah. Okay, next one. What is your perfect dessert? Dessert? Mm, that's a tough one because I've, I've mostly cut sugar out of my diet. So... Uh, I've been like abstaining from a lot of sugar options. No, like uh, no, sure. like coffee. You- <laughs> coffee. I like to eat coffee. I like to drink coffee after a lot of meals and stuff. I just I'm I'm obsessed with coffee. So just black coffee. Though, but um, next question: What are three things you're thankful right now? Hmm. I am very grateful for still having the opportunity to work. Uh, I started creating a source of my own income uh, before the whole COVID thing happened, um, which was very difficult. And I was having all kinds of self-doubt of whether that was the right path. And right now I'm like, I'm so grateful that I stuck that out and, and still have that because, you know, I, I'm in a position now that is a lot more comfortable than a lot of people that I know. Um, and then also I think I'm grateful for having the empathy of understanding 
people that I've been out of work before I've been couch surfing, I've been homeless. So like, I think if I didn't have that empathy, uh, I'd have a different, you know, inability to relate to the people that are struggling right now. So I'm, I'm also grateful to have those experiences that kind of can bridge that gap. Um, oh, go ahead. The third thing is I am incredibly grateful for the internet right now <laughs> and video <laughs> chats or, or audio chats because I've been doing, um, you know, probably like 10 to 15 different just like video meetings every day, or not every day, every week, um, whether it's for business or it's just kind of to connect with people. It's opened this door. You know, a lot of people are lamenting against like, oh, like I can't meet people face to face anymore. And like, I love meeting people face to face too. But this has allowed me to meet people from all over the world in ways that never would have been possible before. So I'm super, super grateful for Zoom, Squadcast, like whatever it is, but just the internet's ability to connect us uh, in a really unprecedented way. And it's exciting to be living in this time. I think so too, because like we, like, for example, we met like over the internet. I think that's yeah. so amazing with so many people. And I think also, and um, this is another question just because I'm interested with the Corona situation with here in Germany, like it's free, like you can, you have to wear a mask when you go into a shop, but you don't have to wear them outside. So it's like very easy, but how is it in, in the US? It completely depends on uh, what state you're in, in the United States. So kind of like Europe probably changes per country. Uh, uh, United States, United States is very much a United system of states like each state really runs themselves and kind of listens to the federal government um, but so in nebraska where i'm from they're very um limited in their um enforced guidelines they basically have said like just do the right thing you know okay. uh and so omaha the city that i live in just passed the mandate where they just did this they just passed a mandate that requires you wear a mask inside in like a shop or something they didn't have that until now yeah. uh so it's uh, it's been very very relaxed i traveled a little bit in july because i'm from pennsylvania which is a uh, state on the other side of the country and um but i'm my hometown is in a, a rural area so again like even though pennsylvania is really shut down because they're close to new york uh out in the rural counties they have different uh rules for different counties again it was very and just kind of like if you're in the grocery store wear a mask otherwise do whatever you want and like how is the situation now the US? Are like people still very scared or how is it uh well honestly it's it's become unfortunately it's become another source of divisiveness there's like it's like we have these two extremely different you know um countries living in the same country And they're not even separated by state or city or whatever. They're like, they're your neighbor, but they view you as the enemy, which is this like really, you know, when people really get to like meet and talk, they realize like, oh, we all care about the same thing. Maybe this is the solutions we think are going to have like need to happen or different. But and COVID has just become another, unfortunately, politicians have really taken advantage of that and they've used it to play up to their side. They don't even care about convincing people anymore that they're right or convincing people from the other side that they're right they just want to pander to the people that already uh, are on their side and just separate that even further and further so you know it's become a political thing whether or not you support a mask mandate or not it's not based on science at all anymore uh 
So there is definitely a lot of hysteria going on. Um, but at the same time, you know, the people that I actually spend time with day to day, like they're stressed because of the economy, but you know, the, the, the actual, um, you know, virus is not an immediate threat. Um, and it's kind of like just, you know, wear a mask when you're close to people and it's not that big of an ask, I don't think, but some people act like it's, you know, putting them in a prison or something. Yeah. I, I feel that this, like you say, like this divide between people, I think yeah. it's like, I, I don't like when you're not allowed to, uh, to like a voice and opinion and people are like, Oh, how can you say this? And how can you say that? And I feel that they just try like, or we're trying to be divided. Like we're social distancing and everything like that. And I feel yeah. that very, especially for children, like for me, like, I mean, I work also with the internet. I'm digital. It doesn't matter that much, but for children who go to school and they like, they have to sit in different tables. They're not allowed to lunch together. I think it's really crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's going to be interesting to see how this affects people. Hopefully I think, you know, it's, it's one, it's like everything else. It's on one hand, it's, it's separating us, it's driving us apart. And on the other hand, it's bringing people together. So it, everything is kind of, you know, what you choose to take from it. And all we can really control is how we personally interact and how, you know, if we have children, mm -hmm. how we teach them to interact with, with the situation. Uh, and I think that we could come out of it, you know, more connected and stronger. I hope that's what happens. Uh, or at least like not more divided than we already were. Yeah, I hope these kind of conversations happen all around the world because like we do, we connect online. I feel like a lot of people should connect more online, like not just look outside and see, okay, you can't meet people anymore. It may like a, in the normal way. So Yeah. I've been doing that on Facebook where I have a lot of friends that are just people. I traveled a lot. I lived out of my car actually. And I traveled the United States for a while. Um, so I've met, you know, thousands of really interesting people all over the place. And I just always add people on Facebook just to kind of keep them, you yeah. know, in a network of people basically. And I keep seeing people posting, like lamenting that they can't, um, you know, spending time with people. And some of them are very, very depressed because of that. Um, and I always just comment like, Hey, if you want to like hop on a zoom call or something like, let's do it. Like, let's get virtual coffee. I know it's not the same, but it's definitely something and it, it helps your mental health. It helps you, that feeling of connection. Yeah, that's really nice. So um, let's continue with the question. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, let me check on my list. Okay. Um, from the last seven days, what was one of the most, um, the moments worth remembering? Mm, it's been weird because the last couple, the last week or so my my partner has been in uh a different state at a conference so oh but i did have a uh a, a new moon gathering i went to i go to these like new moon and uh full moon gatherings at this uh sanctuary space outside of the city uh owned by this old native american woman and um yeah i mean that was just such a beautiful one of those like peak experiences every time I love going to those. because I, I put my work away. I, you know, disconnect. I don't, I took, put my phone on do not disturb. Like, and then you're just sitting there around a fire with, you know, maybe five or six other people deeply connecting talking about, you know, um, with the new moon, it's like, what things do you want to release? Um, and, you know, that gets super vulnerable. Each one of us talking about the things we want to release in our lives, whether that's addictions or thought patterns, things like that, mm -hmm. traumas. Um, 
and having that kind of deep connection with people and strangers too. I mean, the, a couple of those people are people that I know very well, but every time I go to that, there's a few people that have never been there before or they've been there and I haven't been there. So like we've never connected. So it's cool to be able to like, you step into this space and it's like, this space is sacred. It's okay to be extremely vulnerable right here and absolute complete strangers just mm -hmm. completely bear their souls to each other. And it's, I mean, I usually end up at least like tearing up. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. I, I can, I would wish something like that would be here. Like normally, like I do a lot of new moon manifestations and like full moon releasing, but yeah, I, sounds amazing. Okay. You should, you should, uh, you should start yeah. one. Uh, it's, you know, the, the one yeah, that I go to is just yeah. run by one of my friends who was just like, hey, I want to start doing this. And he just found some land that it was, you know, acceptable to do that on. I think, yeah, great idea. I'm going to, uh, that's a, actually a really good idea because that that's something I feel like in maybe in Germany, like people are not as accessible or yeah. like it's, like they're not really open to it. But I think like, I mean, there's a lot of always like-minded people around. So oh, yeah, you'd be surprised. I mean, in Nebraska, I wouldn't expect that it's Nebraska is a very conservative Christian um, state and uh, pretty closed off to a lot of alternative spirituality and stuff. But at the same time, that's not true. There's totally this underlying like group of, you know, manifestors and new age people that are or just like whatever they are the guy that runs it he's inter interested in druidism like yeah irish like celtic yeah. he's irish the only thing i once like i was in contact with the druidism was uh when i went to the stonehenge in, oh yeah in england but like i you know you're not allowed to access it so you yeah. can just um watch it from like far away but yeah, it's, it's only accessible on the uh, summer solstice and winter solstice. So, you know, the, the sun goes down, like the sun goes directly through like the, the um, different angles of the Stonehenge. So it's like, right. that's the only time we can access it. Well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but anyway, I mean, it, it, it's it, you'd be surprised whenever you start to, I think it's really important for people to hold events uh, or hold space is the thing that we talk about a lot here is, you know, um, holding space, even if you're the only one there for the first couple of times or you and one other friend, it's like the longer you continue to like, say like every new moon, we're going to do this thing and we're going to go to this same spot, maybe create a Facebook group or something or like a message chain. And it's surprising, you know, just stragglers kind of come in. Some people come in for one thing and then they leave, but like the impact that that can have on someone's life, like, we had a guy there that has never really been involved in any kind of like um, real like spiritual stuff before. He was an ex-cop. He had retired. He had quit the police force because he didn't like, you know, what they were doing and um, started smoking marijuana. And <laughs> was like, this isn't the devil. Like, this isn't, yeah, he was like, this isn't, the, he's like, I've been ruining people's lives because of this thing for like 10 years. Uh, and I can't keep doing this. And then he, you know, started questioning everything else he was doing. So he left. Um, so he was like just newly into this, like, you know, opening up and it was really amazing to, you know, he's like a man, right? Like a manly man and like came to this space and was like able to open up and be vulnerable. He cried a little bit. Uh, and it was just like, you know, being able to facilitate that, uh, and, and it's, you know, a good space for yourself too, but being, if, if no one else is doing it, it's like, it's, someone's got to start it. 
Yeah, I, I think that's a great idea. I'll take it. Um, I never thought about it, but I mean, I made like I did like the new moon things at home, but now I'm going yeah. to I'm going to make a ritual out of it. Okay, well, let me check what, where I I can't I, I jumped down in my questions. Um, what's some of the best and worst piece of advice you've ever gotten? Mm, I've got. I've been very grateful to have a lot of really good advice from people that have you know, are more spiritually successful than me, more financially successful than me. Um, I think that one of the, recently one of the most um, important pieces of advice that I've gotten was, um, so I do a lot of mindfulness um, practice and and I have a, a group that I go to that that is, uh, like a Dharma talk. We talk about the Dharma, the, the Buddhism, um, not necessarily from like a religious aspect, but just from like a, a studying, you know, these, this, this method of uh, relieving suffering. And the advice was to, to any, any like aversion towards something, there's something there. And, you know, in the last uh, you know, a couple months, I've started looking at like when I, so I have a lot of credit card debt. I, when I was traveling around the country, I was not being very uh, financially smart. I had like $30,000 of credit limit because I had a decently good amount of income uh, and I used all of it. And I was just like, I've paid about 10,000 of that down now and I'm still little, like, <laughs> yeah, right. But it's been very, very stressful for me. And, you know, I've been carrying around this like weight of that credit card debt and like, I got to get this paid off. I got to get this paid off. And like, you know, I had this avert, like this, 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 um, you know, hatred towards the, the credit card companies. Uh, and like, I was getting annoyed with the bankruptcy lawyer that I was talking to, because she was basically telling me I can't file bankruptcy because I own a house that my grandma lives in. And they would basically charge my grandma rent, they'd, they'd take the house from me and charge rent. And I was like, instead of, you know, just taking the situation and like, being uh in like a state of equanimity with it understanding that it just is what it is i was like reeling against like i gotta get this solved and i i'm very much a person that's always trying to solve things and the the, the, the piece of advice was that like you know you're never going to figure out all the people you're gonna you're never gonna figure your way out of something there is no out like you are just in life and you have to live with it and you can slowly improve things like you can pay off your debt over time like you can allow the universe to figure things out for you which a lot of times with manifestation people want things to happen right now or they don't want to do any work and really it's just uh some of the biggest manifesting things that have happened in my life have followed very very uncomfortable periods and the way that i've started to look at that is life the universe, whatever you want to call it, is is dislodging you from your previous identity, your previous situation. Mm -hmm. So that discomfort is is the process of manifesting the things you want. And if you're reeling against that, you're not allowing it to play itself out. So the, the advice was just to sit with it um, and learn to just not just on the mat, not just like sitting down and meditating, but like in your everyday life, be patient and accept that you know, you're not going to figure everything out today. And the amount of stress that when I re repeat that back to myself, basically just like, I'm not going to figure everything out today. And that's okay. Uh, has just lifted so much stress and anxiety off of my shoulders. And I've shared that with other people. And it's, it's really helped them as well.
Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I don't, I can't even think of um, a bad piece of advice. Uh, I don't, I don't, I, I, I often like really assess advice uh, before I, you know, implement it. Uh, and then I just kind of disregard advice that I don't feel is useful. So uh, I don't even seem to remember it. It's another thing that comes from that mindfulness practice is like, you know, in, in, in Buddhist teachings, at least like the, you know, old, old, like Pali Canon Sanskrit stuff. Um, it's all about here is a path that you can follow, or here is a practice. Now try it out yourself and find out if this is true for you. Mm. Um, and that's the way I take all advice is, is this going to, is, does this resonate mm. as true? Does my intuition feel this is true? Is it coming from a good place? And if I do try it, then I just, you know, uh, it, it's pretty obvious pretty quickly to me whether something was good advice or not. Then the, the tricky part is uh, adjusting my identity to take advantage of the good advice. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's great advice. What I wanted to say for, your, um, for the first thing that you said with, with the credit card debt and the manifestation, I had like a similar situation last year. I had like a lawsuit going on uh, because a guy who I worked for, he didn't pay my bills. And then he was like, no, I'm not going to pay him, like pay you. So I had to um, go in front of court. And it was such a long process because he'd been such an, you know, like some people, like you say, like discomfort. Like I really grew in that situation, but only in the moment when I let it go and was okay with it, well, that whatever outcome, like whatever outcome happened, I would lose or not. Then it was like this weight lifted off my shoulders, and then I won the the process. Luckily, but it was it was so much money involved. So I was like, because the lawyers were getting more expensive. So at the end, I mean, there was like I didn't get any win out of it, but still it was my to prove my point. Like the guy owed me money, and that that I had to fight in front of the court. So yeah, but also like a big lesson for for living in the moment and just enjoying it no matter what happens on the outside. Yeah. Someone once said to me, if you watch a movie, do you want it to just be all perfect and rainbows the whole time? Like, That's a pretty boring movie. People watch movies because there's conflict and, you know, it may be part of your spiritual belief or may not be that like, you know, we are here for the experience uh, in some way or another and the conflict and the contrast is the thing that makes life, literally the contrast is the thing that makes us be able to perceive anything. You know, it's the highs and lows of any frequency, whether that's light or sound or experiences, emotions. Like you wouldn't know happiness if you didn't know sadness. You wouldn't know light if you didn't know darkness. Yeah, that's, that's so true. Um, so continue with the questions. <laughs> um, let me check. What are you curious about? everything and that's kind of a problem sometimes because i have a tendency to run off in a million different directions and i have to very much control my curiosity um especially within you know running a business it's like uh i have a million different projects that i would love to do a million different skills that i would love to learn um and i have to really reel it back i started doing this thing uh two years ago where i had uh, now it's a folder on my phone. It used to be note cards on my wall. It's like, don't touch this until next year. So every year I'll like look at that list of things that I had said that I'm not going to touch until next year and see if I still want to 
you know, cause like, you know, it might be like, Oh, I want to learn how to do this, this specific skill. Um, I want to learn how to paint. That was something that I learned how to do on a whim at one point, but I, uh, maybe I want to learn how to make EDM music. That's something that I'm interested in, but I'm, I haven't touched because I realized that's a total rabbit hole that would take me away from the goals that I'm trying to do right now. You know, maybe that's something that I want to do at some point, but that's, uh, it just goes in that list and I can come back to it. And then if I don't want to do it now, I can either remove it from the list or I can send it to next year. And that allows me to give this space to the things that I've already committed to. Uh, it's not a perfect practice. I definitely still get caught in, in like little curiosity loops. Um, but especially if you're a bit, if you especially if you have your own business, I think sometimes you need to focus. Like I have the same, like I'm so interested in so many things. Yeah. But then you need to focus on what needs to get done. And I, as you say, like you're leading a marketing agency. So yeah, what I'm what I'm really ha having to be curious about right now is shifting my skill set in work from, uh, you know, the creative side, the implementation of marketing strategies, building websites, running campaigns and stuff to managing people and hiring people. Mm -hmm. It's a totally different skill set, but it's necessary if you're going to grow a company to eventually, I mean, you can do two, you can either be a freelancer forever and, and, and just continue to raise your prices, or you can build a company where you employ people and you can expand that way. And that's the route I'm trying to go, but it's, it's a painful route because it's such a different skill set. Um, so I'm, I've been reading a lot and, and uh, listening to podcasts and stuff about, um, and I'm probably about to hire a coach actually too, about how to, you know, make that transition, how to manage people, how to let go of projects and allow your people to do it. Um, so yeah, that's kind go. of a wrap. Cool. Yeah, go. it's hard. Yeah. Okay. Who's someone you really admire? Mm. That is a great question. It's kind of hard for me to... Uh, the first person that comes to my mind is Ramdas, <laughs> yeah. uh, who is like a, for anyone who doesn't know, is a um, kind of a spiritual leader from the 70s who was friends with like Timothy Leary, Alan Watts and them. And he just embraced, he was very much more emotional. They were very, you know, a lot of the people he hung out with were very intellectual in the way that they were processing Eastern uh, philosophy and religion and psychedelics and stuff into Western culture. Uh, but Ram Dass was very much more embracing the emotional side of it, the, you know, we are love um, mm. aspect of it. I've been kind of on a Ram Dass kick lately because I've been listening. I've never heard of him before. How is he? Uh, never. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's, and now I'm curious. He just, he just passed away recently, but he's got a life's worth of work all about you are love, you are the universe, like you are one with that and we're all like connected and he's got, there's a really good album on Spotify by East Forest, which takes a lot of his, it was like officially like, you know, sanctioned by him and, and it takes a lot of his teachings and stuff uh, and mantras and puts it to some different like kind of uh, nature inspired electronic music. Mm -hmm uh to the links like that's really interesting also the name like i don't uh like how is it um spelled r-a-m and then yeah r-a-m space d-a-s okay uh, no. baba ramdas is like i don't baba is like a, a title i don't remember what that title means but okay. he got very involved in like actual like eastern like uh, buddhism 
uh, and brought a lot of that back to the U.S. But oh, okay, but where was like what 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 is his nationality? Um, He's American. Ah, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It's funny because he's such a big character, a big uh, you know, uh, character here that I forget that like you know maybe he's not elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Forgetting about Europeans. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's typical American, right? <laughs> well, I don't want to say it, but <laughs> it's okay. We we're self-aware enough to joke about the fact that you know. We, we have a tendency to forget that the rest of the world exists sometimes. I did a semester in um, abroad in the U.S. in Colorado, and I was asked pretty funny questions about yeah. Germany and where it is. So <laughs> people really don't like they, I, you know, I I have always been very interested in in world history, which I think has given me a context for like world geography and like geopolitics and yeah. cultures and stuff. Uh, but. I'll just talk to people randomly and say something about any, I have friends from the Middle East, a lot of friends from the Middle East. So I'll mention something about Saudi Arabia, my friends from uh, Al-Riyadh in Saudi Arabia. And they don't know where that is. Like if I had asked them to point it, put it out on a map, they'll point to like the Congo Republic of Africa or something. But you know, I think it's, it's such a big country. And also in Germany, like I bet there's a lot of people who wouldn't know where different countries is. So, I mean, I think- Oh yeah, I think it's a bit of a stereotype, but it's yeah. kind of a funny one to, to, to point out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was the greatest day of your life? <clears throat> oh, um, I think the greatest day of my life so far, uh, I went to a music festival um, last Labor Day, September. Um, And I had never really been to a lot of music festivals before. I had, and that summer I had went to my first like really big music festival and I did a lot of drugs because I had relapsed. I am in recovery um, and it wasn't a good time. I mean, it was in, in some ways. I met a lot of really beautiful people. The whole thing was like this very like loving environment it was all about peace, love, protecting the planet, all that kind of stuff. It was like a hippie music festival. Um, and it was great in that aspect, but I just did, you know, all of the things that I had, you know, learned better <laughs> yeah. uh, but then i went i was traveling like i said in my car for a while and i was traveling through minnesota and someone texted me and asked me if i was going to shangri-la which is this like music festival in in minnesota this tiny tiny little music festival um but it was it had some of the bands that were at that previous music festival that i didn't actually even get to see because i was so strung out that i was like And at this point I was sober again. So I was like, I mean, this is a sign that I need to go to this thing. I'm literally anywhere in the country I could be. And this friend who's not even from Minnesota that doesn't know I'm there just happened to ask me if I was going to go to this festival and it starts this weekend. And this was like Thursday. And it was just like, well, I have, I like, I have to just go to this thing. So, uh, and this was one of those things that I feel like the universe just like put in front of me. It was like, I don't, I didn't know why I even went north into Minnesota. I was supposed to be going through Iowa, which is south of Minnesota. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of was like, oh, that looks nice up there. I'll go that way. So it was just like this, you know, incredible coincidence or whatever you want to call it. And then I, 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 I experienced the whole music festival sober. I didn't do any substances, not even like any psychedelics or anything. And it was the most, especially the, the last day where 
you know, you're just kind of a little exhausted and you're, everyone's bonded by that point. I met this beautiful tribe of people from Nebraska, which is how I ended up here in Nebraska. Eventually, uh, I met my current partner uh, there and met all of these just like absolutely incredibly beautiful people and, and was just felt more free and open than I ever have before. I used to never dance. This is the first time I like ever danced. Yeah. And I just started dancing. Uh, and <laughs> one guy who is actually, he, he passed away recently. Um, he looks at me and he goes, you're the most free person that I've ever met. And I love that about you. And he like gave me a huge hug and we were crying and I was just like, that's not, that wasn't me like three days ago. <laughs> so like to experience how quickly, if you just like release these things, it can change. That, that changed my life very much. You know, it's kind of cliche to say if uh, a music festival changed your life, but it really did. You know, I, I, I understand. I feel also like you're also not the person you were yesterday. Like a lot of people are not aware that you're always in this constant flux of life. Like, I'm not a person I was last year. Like I've changed so much and I feel that so many people are so, um, how to say, like they're so caught in their ego perception. Like they're like, oh, this is me, this is me, this is me, their belief system. So they forget they can constantly reinvent themselves. Like, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's, 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 it's a beautiful thing. It's also not maybe as easy as you can conceptually understand it. I feel like I conceptually understood from studying philosophy and stuff, the the, um, the fact that the idea of I is not really, it's kind of an arbitrary distinction that we make. Um, mm. And because I mean, literally like the cells in our body, I forget what the amount of time is, but over a period of time, none of the same cells will exist. So it's like, how can you say that that is you? And like, are you the food that you put in your body? Because that becomes part of your body too. And it's like this whole, if you really go down that rabbit hole, it can kind of turn into this whole existential crisis or it can turn into this like spiritual revelation. Or like me, it was, I understood this from a logical perspective, but like didn't know how to use that in my life. Like, I'm like, cool, yeah, you know, I'm not real <laughs> in a sense. Uh, and then it was just like, you know, I was still caught up in those, you know, uh, thought processes, thought loops and anxieties. A lot of that was about it releasing anxieties about what it, what it meant to be me, like being serious, being a man, like those kind of things, uh, releasing just basically all of that and being like, I'm in a safe environment in this situation. Like all of these people are just here for like, uh, like communal love, like, there's no judgment at all. Like everyone's, everyone's weird here. <laughs> like, uh, and yeah, it's just like, we all cried a lot. There was a musician that uh, Tubby Love is his name. And he's got a song that's, you are, you are already enough. Uh, so he's singing, you are already enough. The whole crowd's singing. And like, he's get, get, he gets down in this crowd. It's a very small crowd. It's maybe like a hundred people. And he's like, you know, touching people and like singing, like, face to face with everybody and then he's like okay now let's flip it and i want you to sing i am already enough which is not part of the normal song a live thing he was and so we're all singing i and everyone just breaks out bawling crying because mm -hmm. most people like don't really allow themselves to feel that uh and i think also the the root problem in everything if it's addiction or whatever happens is because 
like people don't feel enough. It's always this 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 feeling inside, and that that mirrors in every relationship people have. If they don't do the inner work or the inner healing, they will mirror it in every and every relationship. If that's money relationship, love relationship, and everything, it's just the mirror from the inside out. Yeah, there's this little um, you know identity thing that's going on where deep inside of you, whether you can articulate it or not, you're saying, I don't deserve this love. I don't deserve this money. I don't deserve this thing. You know, I don't deserve this happiness. Mm -hmm. And until you can really recognize that and get down to that, you're going to continue to have all of these, like just, you know, negative relationships to all of the the world around you. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then once you are able to really embody that and, it's a process. It's not like you just flip a switch and then all of a sudden you're like, I always feel like I'm enough now. I always have self-love. It's a, you know, it'll continually be something that you have to work on. Uh, But yeah, it's such a incredible shift that can happen from that. That's true. I agree. Okay. Um, What is your personal philosophy in life? Mm. Um, I mean, my main personal philosophy is that one, one of the, the core personal philosophies is that we can change and we can always be changing for the better. Uh, and that if we really look deep enough, we can trust our intuition to tell us uh, what things to integrate into our lives and what things not to. Uh, and that can be very powerful. That's, that's something that I learned from addiction. You know, I was completely lost, completely felt like life had no meaning. Um, and just didn't really know what to do with that. And when I um, started to get sober, I started to realize, like, I have complete control over all of this to a degree, um, to a very large degree, like much larger than I had realized. Like, all of these things that I think are me, I can change. All of these personality traits that I don't like about myself, I can change. And by being a better person, um, you know, it is that be the light you want to see in the world thing and i think that's you know sounds super cliche and cheesy but it's so you know powerful and it also gives you a purpose to get up and live every day and it doesn't have to be some massive like i gotta change the world or i gotta do i gotta be find someone to marry i don't have to like make a bunch of money like i just have to be i have to try i don't even have to succeed i just have to try to be a better person than i was yesterday and that and bring like positive energy and and or at least vulnerable energy to other every conversation and interaction that I come into. And that's so infectious. And it's it's, you know, after embodying that for probably five years or so and getting better and better at embodying mm-hmm. philosophy, you just see it bloom out in such beautiful ways and turn into all of this, I mean, a beautiful life. It's I wish everybody could, you know, experience that. I think yeah. I think that's amazing also that you um overcame addiction. It's like it's such like it's like it's just incredible like like now as i see you you're such a vibrant and beaming person like it's Mm, thank you (laughs) yeah that was not always the case for sure i was very very negative i would i grew up very negative i was always like oh well what could go wrong my mom would joke because like i would get really anxious as a kid and just be like well what if what if what if what if what if and she'd be like well what if not (laughs) (laughs) he's like very chill uh in some ways she's also very anxious in other ways too so it's probably partially where i get that from but uh and then that manifested when i 
you know, went off to college and everything into this, like, mm-hmm. you know, spiraling thoughts of like, what if the worst case scenario and lived in all these conspiracy theories and just the world was this evil place and I didn't know how to deal with it. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, you know, the world will show you what you want it to show you. So if you live in that state, mm-hmm. it will, it will mirror it back to you. And I was just in like a personal hell for years. Um, and I, you know, now I'm kind of dedicated to trying to help people get out of that. Mm-hmm. I think that's also an amazing mission. So yeah. um, it's, also for, it's a learning lesson of like, I can't do that for people. I, I have so many people that I talk to, um, whether it's the happy year. Them. Like you can assist people. Like, I think that's you what you're doing. I think you can like, you can, you can, you can reach a hand out. And I think that's an important thing to do to be able to reach a hand out to somebody. Uh, mm-hmm. It's up to them to take it. Yeah. Um, Next question. What inspires you the most? Mm, I think something that's really inspiring to me, especially lately, is really radical compassion. I've been, it's been popping up a lot in my life, whether just like seeing it happen personally, um, or like I've been seeing a couple different podcasts um, um, where someone, it happens a lot with like the, uh, alt-right here in America, the, the white supremacists, which obviously like very problematic, but um, there's a documentary filmmaker and I wish I could remember her name, but I can't. Uh, she was on um, Simon Sinek's podcast recently. Uh, but anyway, the uh, she, this is one of many podcasts like this I've listened to. She uh, did a documentary. First she did it, she's a Muslim woman and she did it on uh, jihadists where she went and, and tried to learn why someone becomes a jihadist uh, and not from like an intellectual, like what's the theology that gets them there, but like emotionally and like what happens in their lives and learn that most of it is not motivated by this extreme hate. It's motivated by love because they, you know, are vulnerable and, and this movement takes advantage of them and teaches and, and shows them love when no one else will show them love. The rest of the, their society has abandoned them these young men mostly, and this uh, group comes along and says, you're one of us and we will take care of you. And they just shower them with attention uh, and they're doing it, you know, maliciously. They, they know what they're doing um, in most cases, I, I think. But, you know, a lot, it, it's a, it's totally flipped like our opinion of these people. And then the same thing is the case with the white supremacists, the KKK here in America uh, there's Daryl Davis, who's a black man who has befriended and be- through befriending uh, KKK members, more than 200 KKK members have left the Klan. Uh, not because I he heard about him. Yeah, just, because, just because they, you know, felt heard. And, you know, when you actually feel heard, then you're open to having a real conversation. You let your guard down a little bit and you maybe can see that the viewpoints that you have are not true. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and are not. I think, as you said in the, the beginning about the new moon, it's about giving space to whoever. Like, I, I think it's always people want to, like you say, they want to be heard. They want to, like, let out their feelings. And when you give them the space, like, the issue is over most of the time. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, I don't, I don't, I understand why people, like, don't want to give, like, quote unquote, a platform to someone that has problematic uh, viewpoints. But at the same time, there needs to be some kind of space in our society to relate to these people. Um, and I think the thing is, is that it takes time and it takes effort. I spend a lot of time talking to people 
that other people will not talk to. Um, and it helps that I'm like a white male from a rural area that has a little bit more conservative viewpoints than maybe some of, you know, my really, really progressive friends. So I can relate on a different level to some people that have very problematic viewpoints. Um, and it's a lot of times just because that's the environment that they're raised in and they haven't been exposed to other ideas in a way that is a conversation. Usually they're just getting yelled at on social media and stuff and told that they're bigots and told that they're idiots if they believe what they believe and they're evil. And they're not evil. They just, and they, and again, it's like all coming from a place of love. You know, I think it's misguided. Other people think it's misguided. And I think it, you know, if, if, if love leads you to hate, then you haven't really fully understood love yet, in my opinion. But I think that it's important. It's exhausting <laughs> to make space for that, but it's important for people to do that. And I don't think like one or two people can do that. I think we all have to, you know, when our emotional capacity exists to do that, we have to make that space. Uh, and so I'm very inspired by the people that have made that like their whole life, uh, because that's giving up a lot for to, to show compassion to people that, you know, <laughs> no one is saying that you need to show compassion for. I, I think I couldn't agree more. It's, it's always about compassion, like showing love to whoever needs it and uh, not being in the moment when you judge these people, you're becoming blind because I feel like when you don't, you don't know, like, you, like you're doing it, you're building a relationship with them, understanding their viewpoint. And then it's like it also with this, um, I forgot the name, you said the black man who helped KKK um, members to exit. I mean, it's the same thing. He built a relationship with them. He showed that he's cool. And now they're like, that's. Yeah, it's really, he's got a really great interview on Joe Rogan's podcast. It's like three hours long where he talks about yeah. how he got into it, the first couple of people that he met uh, and, and how that all happened. And Joe Rogan continually is saying, you, you're converting these, these KKK. It's so cool that you're converting these people. And he kept, keeps correcting him. He's like, I'm not converting anybody. I'm just befriending people. Mm. they make their own choice to leave i never ask anybody to leave they just always do it and the same thing with this woman that did the documentary with about the white supremacists and the jihadists separately they're two separate documentaries um there's a lot of those people that she became friends with that ended up leaving um and not because she asked them to just because they realized what they were doing was causing more harm than it was good mm -hmm. uh, and again most of those people think in their worldview uh, that they're helping, uh, it, they're on a crusade, you know, uh, and it's, it can get so distorted, especially when we silence them and shut them off because then they're only talking to each other and it just yeah. fuels that fire of like, see the whole world's out to get us, you know? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I think this question will, like, I'm interested to hear your answer is, um, how do you think the world will change in 10 years? I don't think it'll change that much, honestly. I think that our, our perception of, of how long things take to change is very um, skewed, and I think always has been, humans. We always think it's the end of the world right now, or we think that this is the moment, you know? And I think that it's just this long arch of, you know, human consciousness evolution that Things will, some things will get better, some things will get worse, some, some things will get more tumultuous, some things will, you know, uh, become more connected. It's very interesting because I think that like geopolitical things are going to get much, much more 
uh, there's going to be a lot more turmoil over the next mm. 10 years. Uh, but I think also in the consciousness space, I think people are going to connect and learn and grow so much. It's happening so quickly and, and it's spreading to so many people that, um, you know, it's, I think those two things will just continue at an equilibrium like they always do. The light and the darkness is just this mm -hmm. constant um, balance. And I don't, I think that, you know, in general, uh, it will not be that much different. Maybe the technology will be different. There's some cool technology and stuff that I think will happen in the next 10 years. But uh, yeah. But as, you, as you said, like, that's my question. Don't you think there's a, a huge mental shift happening right now? Because like so many people are awakening. There's so many people talking about new age stuff. I feel like because it's just starting off like that. Don't you think I, that will change? I read a lot from the like new age philosophers and stuff from the 70s and they all thought that the world was going to advance to this uh like singular consciousness and go explore space and connect to these other civilizations and stuff that they thought exist out in the Sirius star system which, you know whether or not you believe all of that it at first it was very disheartening when i read that because i was like that's the kind of stuff people are saying right now that there's going to be this like ascension in the next like 10 years and like whatever and reading these people from the 70s that thought that was going to happen by the 80s and it's like did that happen uh, yeah i mean they didn't have technology they weren't like so connected as we are now that's true um and that's why i think it's like an ever-growing thing i think it's it's a process that um is on a, a net positive over time i just don't see it happening in a drastic exponential way that uh because at the same time you look around and there's just so much more um negativity and so much more hatred uh existing and and these two don't you think that's the polarity? because yeah. the like the love grows more that's i mean that's obvious but also like the the dark side is always light and dark yes so as the dark grows the light has to as well so the the world i think don't you think like we'll have like a big shift like Definitely on the spiritual um, plane. I think, you know, as much as much as it's happened in the last 10 years, I yeah. think, you know, if you look at the, the way we talked about, most people talked about spirituality, the awareness that a lot of people had in 2010 versus 2020, it's pretty drastic. Um, but that's about what I see happening in the next 10 years, which in and of itself, I think that's still amazing and exciting. And like, you know, I'm mostly just focused on where I can, uh, you know, make the difference where I can and, and kind of let the universe sort out the rest mm -hmm. of that. I, I think, I, I think the same way. Like I am, I normally don't like these, like, uh, <laughs> like what is it you, but I think it was just interesting to oh, get sure. you about it. But I feel like there's so much happening in my life. Like, you know, like I, I bet you heard about these interview questions when they're like, Oh, where do you see yourself in five years? And I'm, I never answered this question because my life is also like, I can't even plan my life one month ahead. It changes so, so quickly. Yeah, exactly. Like how can someone say like, Oh, in five years, I'm going to be in that, in that position. Like I'm happy. I never did these um, assumptions or, or like expectations about my future because then it would be horribly boring. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I do that. I plan out, um, you know, five years, 10 years in a very loose way. The closer it gets to now, the, the more detailed I get. 
Um, but you know, I think it, it can be, but you got to be flexible with it because it's going to change. Like what I, your vision and my five-year vision for myself was five years ago is definitely not what it is now because I have yeah. a lot more wisdom. I have a lot more experiences that have led me in a different direction. Um, I was much more selfish then. I was much more self-absorbed in my own creative. I was trying to be a filmmaker and like, that's, mm -hmm. that's where I saw my life. And, and I'm glad that I'm not, <laughs> uh, but it was helpful to have what kind of movies. What kind of films did you want to make? Um, anything. I was really just, I really loved the process of making movies. I was actually interested in being at five years ago. I was interested in being a producer five years before that. I was interested in being a director and making like experimental films and like Gaspar Noé type stuff. Um, I don't know if you know who that is, but, uh, he's like a French kind of experimental filmmaker makes these really grand um, like uh, one of his movies is called enter the void. It's based on the book of the dead and it's this like very transcendental experience. So, you know, I wanted uh, to make those types of movies, which I still feel like maybe there's, you know, potentially value in that, but I was doing it because I wanted to do it and it was a selfish thing. And, and not that I think that I will never turn around and make movies again. Uh, it's just like, not as big of a deal because originally that originated the idea that I wanted to make movies originated when I was a kid and I first perceived death. Uh, I reacted to that by saying, well, how can I live forever? And I looked around and I study all this history. I was really obsessed with like Leonardo da Vinci uh, and all these like famous movie directors and stuff that had passed away um, like Hitchcock and stuff. And I was like, I, if I can make, that big of a name for myself and I can make that big of an impact on culture, then I won't die because if I, even when my physical body dies, my legend basically will continue yeah. to exist beyond that. So I was ex obsessed with this, like, you know, this vision of, of this grandiose, which I think a lot of people are right when we're kids and stuff and we're young that we, I, and I think that's what it is that we're reacting to that existential, like I'm going to die. How do I preserve this, my existence in a way? without mm -hmm. maybe being conscious that that's what we're doing. Um, so one what's, your, what's your perception now on death? My perception is that, you know, we are all contributing to these like ripples of, of whether it's um, connected to the ego self of like this identity of Craig and Zana, or it's just the energy that I am putting out and affecting in every interaction that I make. Uh, that is a legacy that will live on forever in an indirect way. Um, there was, there's some schools of thought in uh, Judaism that kind of, that is their concept of the afterlife is that we live in the memories of the people that we knew and then in the effect of those memories. So when we affect somebody, we teach them a lesson or they learn from us or even a negative uh, lesson where they, you know, maybe learn how not to do something or they're affected in some way by us. Then when we die, that stuff doesn't stop. That stuff continues to, you know, that, that they affect someone in some way that was affected by you. And then it's just on, it's, it's eerily similar to the idea of karma. Um, it's interesting that these two like totally separate, and I'm sure there's other examples of that in, in other like uh, religions and philosophies, but that's kind of where I'm at. Do you think that every um, philosophy or like when you dive so deep into it every religion and every philosophy in the core they're saying the same thing just like pronouncing it differently and the, and their understanding to that time yeah in a lot of ways i study um the bible i read the quran i uh i study buddhism a lot 
Um, I study a little bit of um, writings about Judaism. I haven't really got too far into that. And a lot of um, animism, like Native American uh, religious stuff. Uh, I would basically read anything that has to do with theology or the idea of like the philosophies, you know, Nishi and stuff like that. And yeah. whoever they are, uh, uh, and modern philosophers too. Stoicism. I'm, I'm really obsessed with Stoicism, but yeah, a lot of them, it's pretty interesting how the core ideas kind of don't change the way that we talk about them and the language that we use changes because mm -hmm. the times were different, right? The, the mm -hmm. perception of our understanding of the universe changes, evolves, and then we use new language to describe the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I find it difficult to sometimes like look at the Bible, for example. I think there's a lot of really, really great lessons in the Bible, especially about forgiveness, um, mm -hmm. especially about, um, uh, there's a really big thing in the Bible that is all about um, assessing the messenger, basically assessing uh, things that seem like their wisdom to find out whether they really are wisdom of God or whatever, however you want to perceive that. And obviously within the Bible, a lot of it's saying like, if it didn't come from the Bible, then it's not true. Um, but what I've taken away from that is that, you know, if, if you have a relationship with your perception of the Holy spirit and, and the universe that is a positive and 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 you're connected to that oneness and and out of the illusion coming from a place outside of the illusion of separate separation then you will know whether something is truth or not hmm. and you know and that's a lesson i got from the bible uh, which is interesting because it also has kind of taught me that i don't believe that the bible is uh completely untouched by humans <laughs> like some people might think but uh it is just like everything else it's humans trying to put into human language things that are so beyond our comprehension and uh and the beautiful thing is that we continue to evolve with our language like we continue to understand more and more uh, and be able to explain it and articulate it um I think sometimes we might lose a little bit of our emotional connection to those things because we're trying to logically explain things mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, that's there, definitely, there's like some kind of like root truth that, uh, you can find in any of those things. Mm -hmm. So my last final question is what is your personal mission? My personal mission is to continue to try to, to be the light that I want to see in the world and, 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 and be infectious about that, uh, to help people that need a different perspective in a compassionate way people that are lost uh and people that are suffering uh in one way or another whether that's through addiction or stress or um living in the illusion of greed whatever that is my my mission is to continue to learn myself continue to build um and come from a state of wisdom and slow down a little bit and, and, and allow these lessons to be learned and then to share those and be a bridge uh, between people.